Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening first and foremost to praise you, to thank you for being the God of love that you are, for putting a calling upon us for each of us in this room whom you have called from darkness to marvelous light. I thank you for the privilege uh, to teach my friends here for the last two years and to be privileged to be asked to share one last message with them. Be with my mouth as you have been before. Put your words in it. Lift Christ up that he may be seen. And I pray that you would prepare us, Lord, for the things that are soon to come. Bless us and help us to this end. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. One of the biggest challenges whenever I'm asked to speak is I never know what to say. And especially when I'm asked to say the last thought to the class of Souls West, it's even harder to know what to say. In fact, I remember the last week of classes when the staff were given their last worships and I gave my last worship, I knew it wasn't my last worship. I knew I had one more. So I didn't have the, the weight in my mind then, but I have the weight now. And as I was thinking and praying about what to share with you, a thought came to my mind, and you can open your Bibles to the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1. A thought came to my mind on what to share for you, with you, knowing that you're about to go out, some of you to be Bible workers, some of you to go back to school and to be used in campus ministries, some of you to go into health ministries, or wherever God may lead you. And I thought, what should I share with my friends? And in 2 Peter chapter 1, I was reading this book, which is one of my favorite books, and a text came out that you should know very, 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 very well by now. Chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 12. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. I thought to myself, how can I not be a negligent teacher? And the answer was a simple one. Simply remind class of 2014 of what they already know, lest they forget. And I thought to myself as I read this text and as I've spoken on this text, as we've had worships on this text, the importance of the thought of it's not what you know or how much you know per se, but it's what you think about. Open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. There's a temptation when you come to the place that you've come to in your experience. When you've graduated from a Bible college, as we heard a student mention earlier, she is now a scholar, praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Remember verse 2 of this chapter, because it's a verse that has been helpful to me since I've graduated Seoul, since I have learned some things from the Bible. The Bible says, And if any man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it. You, when you think of a graduation, you think of it's over. You think of it's accomplished as it was said earlier. But in reality, it's just beginning. The road, the gates are opening wide, and the journey continues from here. So with this in mind, I decided tonight's message is going to be one of a reminder, a way of reminding you of something that you should already know, but it's okay that we're doing that because even if we know something, we don't know it as well as we should know it. Amen? 
Go with me to Romans chapter 1. The rest of the night will be spent pretty much there. A a month ago, I was studying Romans chapter 1. And as I was going through this epistle, through this chapter specifically, I noticed something very important to me that stood out. And it's describing a group of people that I do not want to be a part of. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 24. The Bible says, Wherefore, God also gave them up. Excuse me, it is not verse 24. We're going to back up to verse 21. I'm allowed to to have three misses. In class, I'm allowed three misses. Here, I'm allowed three as well. That was one. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. It's also dark up here. The Bible says in verse 21, Because that, when they did what? Knew God. Pause right there. Describing this group of people in Romans chapter 1, did, did they know God or did they not know God? They knew God. Now, I was interested in which word in the original language was this word. And it is that word, ginosko, that word that describes not simply intellectual knowledge, but experiential knowledge. In other words, this verse is describing a group of people who in all reality know God. They have experienced God. They know the love of God. They know Him in the way the Bible asks us to know God. In other words, the verse that says, This is life eternal, that they know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. They knew God that way. Do you know God, my friends? I believe over the last two years, especially, you have come to know God. You've had an experience with God. And many times when we have an experience with God, when we come to know Him, we may think we're invincible. But notice what the verse goes on to say. It says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. I want you to look at this text carefully and think what happened to this group of people. The Bible says they knew God, but something changed in their experience. What was it that changed? What became vain? Their imaginations. Or if I could say simply the things that they thought about. What was darkened? Their hearts. Now, souls west, point at your heart. That's right. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So this text here is speaking about the what? The mind. Something changed in this group of people. And what changed? Their minds. Something happened to their minds. Now, remember, did they know God? Yes or no? They knew God. But something changed. Now, what changed and what was the result? Let's continue reading the text. Verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. What happened to that group of people? The people who knew God, something changed in their minds. We don't know what it is yet, but we know their minds became vain and darkened. And then it describes them doing what? What are they worshiping now? They're worshiping idols. 
they have gone from worshiping the Creator to worshiping an idol. Now, I remember when I first became a Christian six years ago, and I was told that thou shalt not bow down to graven images, to idols. I thought to myself, well, that's the easiest commandment to keep because there's no more tree-like cutouts to bow down to. People don't bow down to golden images. I mean, there's a Buddha at the Thai restaurant, but no one bows down to it. And so we see these different objects, but in my mind, it was the easiest commandment to keep. Because, let's be real, do any of us worship idols in this room? Do any of us bow down to carved images in this room? I want to read to you a quote from Testimonies, Volume 4, page 632. She says, anything which absorbs the mind and directs it from God assumes the form of, guess what? An idol. Anything that consumes the mind and takes the affections of your mind from God has now become an idol. In our, in our Western country, we don't worry about bowing down to trees. We don't worry about bowing down to golden statues. But how many of us maybe bow down to the television set? Or how many of us bow down to sports? Or how many of us, Lord forbid, bow down to relationships? What is it that consumes the mind? Amen? Because anything that takes the affections of the mind assumes the form of a what? Of an idol. And here in Romans chapter 1, you see a group of people that knew God. They loved God. They had an experience with God at some point. But something happened, again, what changed? Their what? Their mind. Something happened to their imaginations, to their thoughts, to their hearts, as it were. And then we see them worshiping idols. Something else came and took the place of God in their experience. How is it that you can go from serving the creator to serving the creature? Let's continue reading. It goes on to say in verse 24, Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Now, I think that's a, a fascinating text. In fact, turn with me to the book of Hosea. Keep that thought in mind. Keep your finger there. Run to Hosea quickly. Uh, for those of you that are also following along, Hosea is the book right after Daniel. So it's an easy one to find. We know where that's at. We're going to the book of Hosea, chapter 4. Verse 17, I want us to notice something about God. It's brought out in Romans, but it's more clearly brought out in the book of Hosea. It's one of those minor prophets right after the book of Daniel. Hosea 4, chapter 4, and verse 17. Here the Bible says, God says, Ephraim is joined to what? To idols. Let him, what's that last word? alone. Do you see here in this text, you can see a lot of things, but I want you to see this thought. Do you see this thought that God is a gentleman? Not not naturally the first thought we think when we read a verse like that, but look at it carefully. Do you see that God is a gentleman? That he says, uh, if I can use relationship language, if you want to be with another, I will let you go be with another. Do you see that in the verse? And what is it that they want to go to? They're what? They're idols. Now remember, what is an idol? Anything that takes the attention of your mind away from God assumes the form of an 
of an idol. And if we choose our idols over God, what will God say? Let him alone. If he wants to choose his idols, God will be the gentleman and he will let you go back to your idols. Go back to Romans chapter 1. As we're studying this chapter, as we're just going verse by verse to try to grasp the thought here, a faithful people who knew God, but something changed in their minds. And when their minds changed, they found themselves idolaters. Jump with me now to verse 28. This is the key verse. This is the main point, the emphasis, the kind of the verse we can close on if it were. Verse 28 says, And even as they did not like to do what? Retain God where? In their knowledge. In other words, they, ch they chose not to think about God. A people who knew God, who had an experience with God, but something changed that was so drastic, it would turn them from worshiping the creator to the created. And it's really only one thing that changed. And what was it that changed? I'll put it to you in simple language. What changed is what they choose to think about. That's it. All that changed was what they retained in their minds, what they chose to think about. And what they chose to think about made them who they were. Continuing verse 28, it says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a what? Reprobate mind. What caused the change in their minds? What they chose to think about. To do those things which are not convenient. Now, notice it's going to get worse than that. Here we see that you had a group of people, again, they knew God. They had an experience with God. I believe everyone in this room has had an experience with God. Amen? We've had an experience with God, but notice something changed in their minds. It's what they chose to think about, and what they chose to think about was so drastic on their experience, they became idolaters. But notice verse 29 now. It says, being filled with all what? Unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, in other words, gossipers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implicable, and unmerciful. Now, is that a good list or a bad list? That's a pretty bad, is that a pretty bad list? I mean, even if you just saw one of those, that'd be bad, right? But the people who knew God became that. The people who had a genuine experience of, with God became that. And what was it that changed? what they chose to think about. Verse 32, I think, is the most solemn text in this chapter. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, 
not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. I, I want you to grasp how far this group fell. They went from knowing God, having the experience with God, to not just becoming a little bit better than they were, to the point when the Bible would say, knowing the judgments of God on the things they're doing, still chose to do those things, knowing that there was a judgment to come, and yet not just to do them, but to find their pleasure in people who would do the same things. And when you read that text as, as Bible students, we typically think, man, I'm glad that's not who. I'm glad that's not me. But the reality is, the people in this text, it wasn't them at one point either. The people in the text at one point had their genuine experience with God and thought, I'm glad that's not me either. But this text shows a strong reality. It shows that there's a great contrast taking place for your, for your mind. Who is it that quote and steps of Christ that we love? Whom do you love to think about? Whom do, who has the chiefest affections of your mind? Whom do you like to talk about? And obviously, who, she's talk, who is she talking about in that passage? Jesus. Does he have the thoughts? Does he have the, your mind, my friends? Here in verse 32, the culmination of this whole thought, because they chose not to retain God in their knowledge, they fell so far away that they were separated completely from God. Souls West, you've had an experience with God. I know that you know God. I know that, as Timothy says, you know in whom you have believed. But don't forget him. When you're out there, outside of the bubble, as it were, don't forget what God has done in your past. When you read Psalm 106, the Israelites forgot the parting of the Red Sea. A sea would open wide that millions could pass through, and they would forget. Don't forget. Go to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5 has a very solemn thought, and it will tie it all together. Proverbs in the Old Testament, if you find the book of Psalms toward the middle of your Bible, you go right after that, you hit Proverbs, and we're going to chapter 5. And before we read this text, I want to share with you an experience I had. I don't really share this experience with very many people, but I'll share it with you. You see, when I first became a Christian seven years ago, I remember what it was like when I received that first Bible study on Daniel chapter 2. And I went from atheism to Christianity. And I thought to myself, it is so good to know that there is a God of love. That God is a real God, that I can have an evidence to believe in him. And then I picked up some book called The Great Controversy. I don't know if you've read that book or not. If you haven't, I recommend you pick it up. I read that book and I felt like Ellen White was a divine apologist answering every objection I had against Christianity. And she just walked right through that book and answered a lot of my questions. And then I picked up this book called The Desire of Ages. And I, I thought, oh, I know God because of prophecy. And I did know about God because of prophecy, but I really knew God through the Gospels. I really got to know Jesus through that book. And I remember falling in love to the point where I would study my Bible for eight hours minimum a day. All I can think about was God is real. I have not known this before. And all I want to do is know him more. That would proceed for a year and a half to two years. And through that experience, I remember toward the latter end of it, being at church 
and just talking with people about the Bible. And many people would say, what school did you go to? It's like, oh, I didn't go to school. I just read some books. It's like, wow, you know, you should be a pastor, right? Some of you Bible workers are probably told that when you're Bible working, you should be a pastor, right? And I remember studying and thinking to myself, you know, I, I pretty much know the Bible. I guess I don't need to read it so much anymore. And I kind of started slowing down on my reading of the Bible. And I remember I thought to myself, you know, I want to make some more money, so let me take on two jobs while going to college. So I took on a second job. My day would start about 5 in the morning. It would end about 10.30 at night. And I remember those devotions, that time I used to spend with God, I thought, well, you know, I kind of know a lot already. It's okay if I drop it down to like just a few minutes a day, 20 minutes a day. It's okay. God understands I'm busy. And I already know a lot anyways. I mean, I can answer most people's questions. I feel pretty comfortable with my Bible knowledge. So I started dropping down on the devotions, and I noticed I got tired. I started sleeping in. I thought, you know what? Do I really need to read the Bible anymore? What if I, you know, they were giving away those free CDs at church. What if I picked up that CD, and I listened to it in the car on the way to church? And then I found the, the quarterly on CD, and I thought, oh, the quarterly on CD. I'll just listen to the quarterly when I drive to church, or drive to work, and that's it. And I remember that became my devotions. One day, I was eating lunch, and I was eating, I don't remember what it was, but I was eating something, and I thought to myself, as I'm eating, halfway through, I did not bless this food. I did not pray and thank God for this food. And I remember before, when I first became a Christian, and I would pray for the food, I remember I was overjoyed that God was real, that he actually blessed the food, that I can give him thanks for what I have, and he really was the one providing it for me. And I remember how much I loved the simple prayers in life just to look up and say, Father, thank you so much for making sure my daily bread. To the point where I actually caught myself not praying for my meals anymore. Not to say that that was per se a salvational issue, but it was interesting to know how much I loved to pray for my food and it it kind of went away. And when I was eating that meal, I was actually thinking to myself, I didn't pray for it and I had no desire to pray for it. And I remember thinking back, and I couldn't remember the last time I even prayed. And I thought to myself, I think it's been a couple weeks since I've prayed a prayer. And I remember being in my house that night in the living room thinking, not necessarily praying, but thinking, and asking myself, where am I? And I realized... I hadn't read my Bible in over a month and a half, a couple months. I hadn't prayed in about just the same. And I realized, without realizing it, I had drifted away from my God and Savior. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I remember my heart broke, but yeah, I couldn't even cry over it. It was almost like I was sad, but yet didn't care at the same time. My heart had become so hard Satan had taken the mind and put other things in the mind so much so that I actually forgot that the Red Sea opened. I forgot that ten plagues fell upon Egypt and God set me free. I forgot that God took this atheist and made him a Christian. It all went out the window. And I realized I had lost hold of my God. And that was a scary thought when it hit me. 
Because I thought to myself prior to that that I was invincible as a Christian. I thought, I know Daniel too. I can never fall. I know the 2300 day prophecy. How many people can do that one? Come on, Revelation, I'm not afraid of it. Obviously, I'm secure. Walking in darkness, yet so close to light. I remember going on. I realized this, my friends. I want you to understand. This came to my mind, and I realized this. And yet I continued to walk in the condition. For a a short while more. And then I decided one day I'm going to pick up testimonies and read it one more time. I opened up testimonies to the church. I read this quote, and I'll never forget the thought of the quote. She described a group of people surrounded by dark angels. And these dark angels would press and squeeze and try to shut the light of God out from his children. Have you ever felt the enemy squeeze you so? And, he would, and she described how he would, they would squeeze and press and compress. And the, the children of God would cry out in agony, praying and pleading for divine help. But then she said there was a group that did not pray. They ceased to pray. They ceased to persist. And the next part of the quote scared me to death. She says, they disappeared into darkness, and I never saw them again. And I remember thinking to myself in my living room, in a few, in a short while, that will be me. But then the quote didn't end there. Praise God. I love those solemn mornings that end with joy. The solemn morning, the next thing she saw was Jesus lift up his mighty right hand, And a beam of light pierced the darkness. And it pierced the darkness right to the praying ones. And the light, though small and dim, grew and waxed brighter and brighter until the darkness was gone. And they were an army of the 144,000 fitted for battle. And I thought, now that could be me. And I made a choice that night. I got on my knees and I told the Lord... I know it had been so long since I had prayed, but I'm going to pray again. And I remember praying and opening the Bible, and it seemed as though I had lost Jesus for some time, and it took double the time to truly find him again. But I remember the day when I found him all over again. I remember the day when I knew Jesus experientially again, and I remember just pouring out my heart in tears, thanking God and praising God that he still loved a sinner like me. And since then, the reality has been in my mind. None of us are secure in of ourselves. No matter how much you think you know your Bible, no matter how much of a prayer war you've been, no matter how many books you got out this summer, no matter if your van was the highest van or your conference set the record this summer, if we do not retain God in our knowledge, we can become that group in Romans chapter 1. That can be us but it does not have to be us. Souls West, the danger when you leave is a very simple one. Great Contrary tells us, Satan well knows that all whom he can lead to neglect prayer and the searching of the scriptures will be overcome by his attacks. My friends, do you pray to your God? Do you spend time in the word of God? If not, it is a guarantee. It it didn't say you may be overcome by his attacks. No, no, no. The quote said, Satan well knows that all whom he can lead to neglect prayer and the searching of the scriptures will be overcome by his attacks. 
Don't ever lose your hold on God, my friends. Never, never, never walk away from your Savior whom you love. We're in Proverbs 5, aren't we? Look with me now at verse 11. Have you ever wondered, before we read the text, what the wicked will say when they experience the second death? I remember when I first became Adventist and I, I would read the quotes in Great Controversy and I thought to myself, man, if I was on the bad side of the ending of this whole Great Controversy and I know what's coming, that would be hard stuff. That would be really hard. And I would even think to myself, I know many of us don't think like this, but I would actually, I thought to myself, what would I think if I were outside the walls? If I were outside the walls, what would go through my mind? And I was speechless. I thought, well, I wouldn't know what I would say. Proverbs 5 actually told me what I would say. Verse 11 says, And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are what? Consumed. Notice, here's what they say. While they're being consumed, verse 12, And say, How have I hated instruction? And my heart despised what? Reproof. And have not obeyed the voice of who? My teachers nor incline my ear to hear them that instructed me. In other words, what is it that runs through the minds of those when their flesh and their body are consumed? I thought it was fascinating. How they wish they had not hated the instruction that was given them. How they wish they had not rejected the things that their teachers taught them. How they, they wish they didn't hate rebuke so much. That's a hard one, isn't it? Aim for me too. And they would think about these things at the last. Notice verse 14. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the who? Congregation and. I want you to understand that verse. These people weren't just worldlings, my friends. In Proverbs 5, it's people who are in the midst of God's people. These are people who know there's a reason why they've rejected teachers and reproof. It's because they've received it. You cannot reject that which you have not been offered. Praise God that God doesn't condemn us for our true ignorance. Amen? But it's when we choose to reject that which he offers. And here the Bible warns us. It gives us a solemn commission. Don't forget the things that you've been taught. Don't forget. Now, remember, who is your ultimate teacher? It's God. Your Bible is your teacher, right? Your commentaries and me, we're your friends. But the Bible is your teacher. Amen. Don't reject what your teacher has to say. When you see what the Word of God says, don't let that be you on the outside. How do they get on the outside? It's simple. They chose to what? No longer think about God. I want to close with this thought. Martin Luther said, In my heart, faith in my Lord Jesus Christ reigns soul, and soul ought to reign. He alone is the beginning, the middle, and the end of all the thoughts which occupy the mind day and night. That was a rebuke to me when I read that quote. I really looked up to Martin Luther and the work that he did. When I thought and prayed about what's the last thing I can tell souls was, class of 2014, it was a simple one. Don't forget God.
Don't forget what God has done for you. Let Jesus reign supreme in your thoughts. Think often of the goodness and the mercy, and yes, Romans 11 says, the severity of God. And by beholding, you will become. Satan well knows that if he can just get you to separate from God, he has you. My burden, my friends, one burden alone. One desire above all other desires. That in heaven, I will see you there. I would, as a teacher, I will know if I passed or failed when I see if my students are there. I pray that you will be there. Keep Jesus in your minds, my friends. Pray often. Spend time in the Word. And do not become that latter half of Romans chapter 1. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the beauty of your Word. I thank you for its simplicity. We don't need to get creative. We don't need to get fancy. We don't need big words. We don't even need original languages and strong concordances, but we can take it for what it says. And I thank you for that simplicity. And tonight, Lord, it is a solemn yet beautiful thought that we have a class graduating from Souls West. Beautiful that they have accomplished their two years. Beautiful that they have overcome through Christ. Beautiful that they have come to know you and have deep and rich experiences with you. Experiences that will last for eternity. Beautiful because the friends which they have made are friends for eternity, not just for life. But Lord, it is solemn because as Jesus prayed, I send them into the world. I do not take them from the world, but I send them into the world, but keep them from the world. Lord, I pray that prayer for my, our friends here that are graduating, no longer my students, but my peers. I ask that as they go into the world, Lord, that though you would not take them from the world, that you would preserve them from the influence of the world, that they would go out and be a saving influence for you, that through them and the different means which you have called them, that they would win many souls for your kingdom and prepare this world for the soon coming of our Lord and Savior who promises that he comes quickly. I ask that you would be with their minds, be with their time with you, preserve it and protect it, and above all else, Help every one of us in this room never ever to forget our God and our Savior. So draw close to you. The Bible promises, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. When we feel so far away, Lord, help us to press closer. When we do not feel like praying, that is when we ought to pray the most. When we do not feel like studying the sacred word, that is when we need the most bread of life in our life. And I ask that you would please help us to this end. Preserve my friends. Protect them, Lord, until the coming of your Son. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.